Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. I found for myself as an instructor working with the puppies that it can be hard sometimes to not just be like, hey, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Because like... I have more knowledge normally than these dog owners, so I'm seeing all the mistakes they're making, but more often than not, they're doing a lot of things right, too, so I've been making it a point to, like, really point out the things they're doing right, and then maybe giving them, like, one thing to work on or slightly adjust, and there is clicker training for people, so I feel like most instructors (laughs) should be looking into something like that, too because it's been my experience that with instruction from a trainer or a riding instructor or whatever it is, more often than not, they're just pointing out the negatives and trying to give you feedback on that. But you also need to be positively reinforced because that does affect how you treat the animal and how you view the lesson as a whole and the instructor. (laughs) So I think like there has to be some sort of balance when it comes to instructors too. Yeah, that's so true. And I've, I have had pretty nice positive instructors in the past, even if I didn't like their training methods, I, you know, knew they were a nice person and the way they treated me and helped me learn was good for me. But I've also had instructors where I would like cry in the lesson, or I would take months off at a time when I was a child, even though I loved horses. And that was my only way to be around horses, because I just could not stand being in the lesson environment because it was so negative. So like that, that definitely, like if the trainer isn't setting up the situation for success, then there's no way you're going to be able to set up the horse for success. And that's just the trainer does have a pretty big impact on how that situation is going to go. And obviously this is so off topic from like herd dynamics, but it's fine. <laughs> As always at the end, we like always trail off, but <laughs> it's yeah. all always important. So it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely important. I guess like back to the dominance thing though, it's not just us like crazy clicker training people who are saying that dominance theory isn't accurate or whatever. Like there's a lot of scientific information out there and there are a lot of very big horse you know, organizations or whatever that acknowledge and believe that dominance theory isn't accurate as well. Like the International Society of Equitation Science, obviously they're a science society, so they're going to know the science, but there, I was looking at their position statement and their statement is basically, there's little support for an overall rank in equine social organization. Rather, horses tend to form bilateral relationships where a new contract is negotiated separately for each herd member in each new situation. And that's from 2018. So I guess I just want to say about that topic before we get too off of it, that this is not just us being like, oh, we don't like dominance, so we're going to choose to not believe in it. Like This is science, and there are like very big organizations that are also backing this view and you can definitely find the science out there. You can definitely find quote unquote bad science out there that's kind of older and more outdated. But you know, if you look to the the more recent studies that are being done in the best ways and have the most knowledge, those are gonna, you know, show you that dominance theory is not accurate. Yeah. The best information I found on herds as a whole, but also just horses in general has like almost always been by people that are going out there and actually like studying on the field, watching these horses. Like 
Raquel Dreisma and Abigail Hogg and uh, Lucy Rees, I think is her name, or Reese. Like those are all people that were like actually out there watching these horses, taking notes and doing science. Like they're actually studying this. And instead we listened to Clinton Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And even some of the people who study it, they may not have the most accurate information, especially if they're looking at horses that are in an environment where they're going to be resource guarding or they otherwise are not managed very well. And so they're, they're not kind of acting in their natural or normal selves because they're dealing with extreme stress or fear or pain or whatever that's causing them to act differently. So I think also looking at, you know, what's the sample being used in the study? Is it, you know, wild or feral horses? Is it show horses that are being kept in a stall for 23 hours a day? And then we're looking at them the one hour they get turned out or, is this, you know, horses that are domesticated or like domestic horses, but they're managed well and they're in an environment where they're turned out most of the day and they have multiple accesses to forage and, you know, enough access to water and whatnot. I think like really looking at the sample and knowing what horses are being studied and what situation those horses are in, that's going to give you a lot of information about like, is this actually the natural way horses behave or is this like real science or is this, you know, just being manipulated by basically bad management by humans? I think a lot of it comes down to management, honestly, like that affects behavior so much. (laughs) I'm not going to like tell anyone to go buy a thousand acres of land and turn their horses out on it because (laughs) that's not an option for a lot of people, but there are things you can do to better set the horses up for success and help them avoid conflict like they naturally want to do. Yes, that's so true. One thing I was thinking about, and I don't even remember exactly what you were saying because we've been talking so long. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You were saying something and it made me think of like horses walking in front of you and that being labeled as dominance. Oh yeah. That happens with dogs too. And I just don't, I don't understand. Like they're just going where they want. Like it's, they're self-reinforcing by getting to where they want to go. It's not them like trying to overpower you by having a foot in front of yours. Yeah, that's very, very true. I think, yeah, that's definitely a thing with horses where people think that the horse has to be like walking with them, leading a specific way. But I mean, again, like humans and horses don't relate in the same way that horses and horses relate but still if you watch two horses going to the same place walking together whatever they're not going to be like walking in this exact formation of like exactly next to each other or whatever like and it probably won't even be the same way every time like they're they just move where they're trying to go even when they're going together they don't have this like whole plan of like this is the exact way we have to walk and look and whatnot and like It's kind of okay that humans have that idea because obviously there are certain ways we want to do things and that's fine, but we have to keep in mind that that's like, that's our construct, it's not theirs. And so we have to teach that to them in an ethical way that they're going to understand and not just go ahead and expect them to just know to do it. Right. I mean, I think it's a safety thing to train them to walk at your side. It's not a bad thing to do that, but I think if it's safe not to, who cares where they're walking? (laughs) Like I've taken Phoenix out of the pasture on a lunge line before and just let him go where he wants. I just have it there so he doesn't get away. And I don't see a problem with that. 
That makes sense. I saw one post on Instagram. I cannot at all remember who it was from, but they had like a ton of land and it was really cool. They were like taking their horse kind of almost out on a walk on the trails, but it was more like open kind of. There were like fields and whatnot and there was a trail and the horses were going like way off path and just doing whatever they wanted, but they were all like kind of moving down the trail at like you know, the same time, but the horses were kind of taking their time and going off the path and whatnot. And they were just like totally at liberty, just doing their thing, all going on this walk together. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. Like they're, the horses are getting to like have a walk that's reinforcing to them where they're getting to graze and explore and whatnot. And they're not being forced to like, just walk alongside you. And obviously sometimes that is necessary for safety, but it's also like, that's not their ideal. And so if it is safe, it's awesome to be able to let them kind of explore and do their own thing yeah if you're trying to take your horse on a decompression walk actually make it a decompression walk <laughs> <laughs> basically that's the moral of the story <laughs> yes oh my gosh Coco I I wanted to take her on so many walks and she just did not want to go and I feel so bad like I used to try to force her to go and I just was like why won't she go on a walk with me and she just like she just didn't want to like she didn't want to leave the herd mates and she didn't want to go into the forest by herself and she probably had negative history with trails or something so it's just yeah I was like this should be relaxing this should be like a fun thing for you or whatever but then that's not what she saw it as and you have to listen to what they're telling you something is to them not say this is relaxing for me so it should be relaxing for you I definitely did the same thing with wonders. <laughs> Don't feel bad. I feel like that must be a common thing for people who are like slowly trying to move to more ethical ways of training because you're like, this is like hand walking on the ground. I'm not riding them. I'm not really forcing them to do anything. And trail is like peaceful nature. So walking on the trail is like a good force free thing to do. And then you end up like almost having to use force to like get them to go on the trail. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I remember Jill talking about that with Zoe when she was first getting into positive reinforcement about how she was trying to make rides less like goal oriented and was taking her on trails, but because she had been a show horse and mostly ridden in like arenas and stuff, it wasn't necessarily enjoyable for her. And I think that's important too, like recognizing the horse's reinforcement history and like if they've showed or if they have a negative association with the arena or maybe they're afraid to go outside of the herd or the arena because they've never gone that way. Like there's so many factors into it. Yeah, that's so true. And interestingly, Joe told me that Coco used to be like this amazing trail horse who would go by herself or lead or whatever and just very confident like she there, she has this one specific story Joe does I can't remember exactly what it was but it was something about vultures circling around or something and Coco just like didn't even look and just kept going and was not at all bothered and so like I hear those type of stories and I'm just like oh my gosh is this even the same horse but like <laughs> she probably just was you know reinforced with negative reinforcement to do that and then as time went on and that reinforcement history was further in the past and whatnot and I was training her different ways and didn't really take her on the trails she kind of that kind of went away and her more probably natural feeling of like I don't really want to go on the trails and this is kind of scary probably started to come back 
with Wonder, he was supposedly a trail horse for a while too, but when I would take him on walks like out in open fields or into a little forest by one of the barns we boarded at, he would come with me. Like he wasn't hesitant to walk forward or anything, but he was like super head high the whole time and his walking was kind of like jerky and his nostrils were flared and just like super hyper vigilant and easily fixated on random things like leaves falling off the tree, like ridiculous things that aren't scary to us, but in that moment mm-hmm. were scary to him. And I was like, are you sure this horse was a trail horse? But I think it is important that, you know, maybe he was a trail horse years ago, or maybe he had been shut down while riding. That's probably the likely cause because that's how I've <laughs> seen him. But like, there's so many different things that could be contributing to that. Yeah, that's very true. And I think it's the same with Ren with her police horse background. Like she, when we took her on the the walk, again, walks on the <laughs> um, road, she just didn't not do well and she didn't like sirens and things like that which like are formerly things she probably was very comfortable with you know quote-unquote comfortable she at least was exposed to them and trained to not react to them and now like later on she that reinforcement history is more distant and she's she doesn't have that type of reaction anymore to those things and so it's I guess like we've talked about in other episodes and other times it's important to meet the horse where they are on that specific day even if they used to do something like years ago or even yesterday like the situation could be different and they might just be in a different spot with that yeah definitely there was one session I posted in the Willing Equines Foundation's course like social media thing whatever you want to call it for review week and I was working with Phoenix in the reverse round pen and he had just like stopped like he got stuck And at the time, I didn't notice that. I was just like, well, I'm cueing him to do this. Why isn't he responding? But I wasn't looking hard enough because, I mean, I couldn't see in the video, but he was just like staring at something way out in the distance. (laughs) I have no clue what it was, but it was upsetting him. And that's why he wasn't responding. Hmm. There's so many factors to everything we do with horses that people just don't really think about. Yeah, that's so true. I had a moment in one of my virtual show clips um though specifically the one I actually submitted for Ren she stopped for a moment and she was looking at something in the woods kind of like what you said I could not tell what she was looking at but apparently there was something there that was alarming to her was catching her attention and it was just a short time like maybe three seconds she was looking at it and then she came back and you know re-engaged with me and was ready to continue and you know, in in like a traditional type of situation, it's like you don't want to allow the horse to do that because they have to constantly be focused on you. But for me, I was like, I think it's really great that she, you know, looked away at this thing for a couple seconds and then she came back and re-engaged with me. So I went ahead and left that in because the rest of the pattern went really well and she looked pretty good and I think I did pretty good. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and just submit this one, even though it's not perfect because she stopped and stared at something in the woods for a second it's fine and that also reminded me too that Adele was talking about how she and somebody else I think it might have been her intern Megan were filming one of the show videos and there was a point where the horse just like stopped and was rubbing its head on its leg for I don't know like 10 seconds or something but they just went ahead and submitted that one because they're like you know sometimes horses just either are itchy or they just are communicating something or whatever and it's not necessarily 
a bad thing. So we're not going to like scrap this entire video just because the horse stopped for a second. Yeah. And they don't know that they're in a show. Like they're just doing normal horse behaviors. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think there's an issue with that. I think that's actually something we should kind of normalize. Like, I don't know, like horses peeing or pooping while in a show, like we don't let them stop. Like that's yeah. something they have to do. It's a natural behavior. That's something that's like an obvious natural behavior too. So I don't know why we're stopping that one. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, it's very strange when people are just like, oh my God, I can't let my horse do its natural behavior. It has to keep going. I don't know. I feel like we even do that with humans. Like in school, some people are like, you can't go to the bathroom during class. And I feel like we recognize it's ridiculous there. We're like, oh my God, this person is so mean. Like if you have to go to the bathroom, you have to go to the bathroom. And it's the same thing with horses, but even more because they don't have the decision-making and rational faculties that we have where we can be like, oh, I know that I can just wait 10 more minutes until class ends and go to the bathroom. The horse just like, if they have to go to the bathroom, they're going to go to the bathroom. And same with like stopping and itching or whatever. Like we can rationally be like, now is not the time for this, but they just don't understand that. They just are doing their natural behaviors. So yeah. Goes back to them not having the same like ideas and concepts as we do too. Like we expect our horse at a show to just do what we tell them and nothing else. But a horse is just, again, doing what they're doing. They're doing what they need to do because they don't see it as socially unacceptable. They just see it as, I have to pee right now. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) It's that simple. Exactly. Sometimes I wish I saw stuff like that. It could just be so simple to just like, you know, just do what you need to do and not worry so much about like making decisions and planning everything out. Just kind of like, do your natural behaviors that would be nice <laughs> yeah there's times where I definitely wish I was born a dog or a horse or something but then I see the people that <laughs> would not treat you kindly and then I change my mind yeah. <laughs> but yes. yeah there's so many like awesome aspects that they can do that, that we can't <laughs> <laughs> if I could like choose whose horse I was I would do it. like I'd be like yes. Adele's horse <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> yeah <laughs> I like I listened to this one podcast that's about like relationship advice and whatnot and they always like name the episode some like really weird random quote from the episode and now that makes me tempted to like actually name it I want to be a Dell's horse (laughs) because that's like what they would do with their podcast oh no that would draw so much attention though I'm not gonna lie it would it would (laughs) but it definitely doesn't fit with like our more serious type of titles in the past good marketing strategy though yeah (laughs) I wish we'd done that let's just go rename them all (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this episode of click treat repeat feel free to check us out on instagram at click treat repeat pod you can find Jen at genuine equine and myself at bonafide.bt we upload new episodes every other monday and hope to see you then happy training